Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Well, we're going to do something a little different here this, this morning. Each one of you has a track. I think we may be able to turn up the house lights just a little bit more so that, that people will be able to follow us. Remember one of my jobs as a pastor, according to Ephesians, is to do what? To equip the saints. And so I, a couple questions I want to ask you this morning. One. Wouldn't you like to lead someone to Jesus Christ and give them the best gift they could possibly ever receive in their entire life? Wouldn't you like to do that? So we're going to start off not condemning you, not making you feel bad because you've never done it, not asking you to raise a hand. How many have ever led someone to Jesus Christ? But we're going to start off with Let's learn how we can lead someone to Jesus Christ. You don't have to have an education to do this. In fact, I have a THD, and I've thrown everything away, and I've taken this probably in the last year and a half, put up by Evangelism Explosion. If you're looking in online and you don't have one of these, you can actually go to Evangelism Explosion or press in the Eternal Life track, and you can actually follow this morning's message along with the rest of us who have one of these uh, tracks. And I've used this to see many people come to know Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you like the privilege of doing that? And if you're thinking about your neighbor, forget about your neighbor right now. Forget about it. Think about someone else. Think about your own children. Just sitting down. Think about your spouse. Think about your mom and dad of just taking this simple booklet and opening it up with them and leading them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The second question is, I'm going to ask you this question. Can you literally answer in this church, do you know for sure, absolutely for sure, if you died tonight, you would go to heaven? Now, by asking that question to your children, or to your neighbor, or to your mom and dad, or your brother or sister, will give you a clue on which direction to go. If they say yes, then you follow up with the next question. Now, go ahead. You can follow me in your outline with me. Go ahead. Your outline's right there in front of you. Do you know for sure if you die tonight, you're going to heaven? And if God were to say, why, if you could answer that question, yes, if you're looking in online, if you could say, yes, I know where I'm going, then, then you follow up with this question. It's very important, this follow-up question. If you were to knock on heaven's door and St. Pete was to open the door and, okay, what's the password? Why should I let you in? What would you say? Now, if you're on the television show, Family Feud, how many have ever watched Family Feud? Family Feud, dude, you guys, some people have watched it, okay. And they always ask you, you know, there's two people up here, give the number one answer is, so out of about seven, eight questions, uh, maybe they'll get one or two right, and then someone else can guess it. But do you know what the number one answer is when you ask this question? If you were to stand before God and say, 
he were to ask you, why should I let you in? Give me the number one answer and you can get in. You know what the number one answer is? A, a famous singer put it this way. I feel good. James Brown, I feel good. Well, just because you feel good doesn't mean that's the password to get into heaven. So the number one answer that most human beings give to say they deserve heaven is what? I'm good. I'm good. And, and if you watch Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory, you remember that little girl and her daddy? They followed them into the pit. Bonk! And they went down in the... How many seen Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. The girl with the big mouth doing that gum. I want that Easter egg, Daddy. I want it now. Well, she got what she wanted right then. And her dad followed her right there too. But that's not the answer. So I want to help you this morning. Be able to ask that question to a family member. Start with a family member. Start with someone you know. Forget about your neighbor right now. Forget about the person that's walking down the street or the cashier at the grocery store. Forget about that right now. Not everyone has that gift and ability to walk up to a stranger and be able to evangelize. God's not asking you to do that. He's asked you to live a quiet life. Don't go to the book of Acts and suppose that all of you are supposed to live that way. He wants you to lead your family to Christ. And so you ask that question. Now, so ask yourself that question now. Do I know for sure if I die tonight where I would go? You would be surprised how many people sit in the church and cannot answer that question properly. Do you know that Billy Graham said the greatest harvest field is actually in the church? They're actually the hardest people to get to answer this question properly because they have so much religion. So let's walk through this in a very methodical way. You want to tell them it's good news if they're not sure. I got some good news for you. You don't know the answer? I got some good news for you. Let me help you answer that question. It's the best news you could ever know or hear. And so the Bible tells us that we can know absolutely, 100%, for sure, that if we die tonight, we're going to heaven. How do I know that? Here's the passage, 1 John 5, 13. Very, very important passage of Scripture. 1 John 5, 13. The Bible and this particular passage and this particular author, led by the Holy Spirit, recorded this. I write these things to you. Put your name there. I always put my name in the scripture. I write these things to you, Ron. Ah, I write these things to you, Bob, Sue, Mark, Kathy. I write these things to you so that you may ah, wonder, speculate. No, I, I write these things that you may know, know that you have eternal life. So how many, you don't have to raise your hands, how many would like to know before they left this place or you're listening in online, I want to know for sure, by the end of this message, I know absolutely, 100% for sure, where I'm going if I die. So here's how. Start with grace. Grace is a gift. If you're following along in your outline, in your track, Eternal life is a free gift. So you're speaking to that person, your child, did you know? Just talk to them about other things. Once you become familiar with this track, you can add some things in there, not just be locked into this track. 
Think about a gift. Think about Christmas or think about something you've received you did not deserve. And so the Bible says grace, the gift of God, this gift, the gift of God is eternal life. This is the gift that God wants to give you and me. He wants to give it to us in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 6, 23. So eternal life is a free gift. Because it's a free gift, you and me both understand, and you can give so many illustrations, you cannot earn it. Have you ever received a gift you've never earned before? Hmm. I got a wife I didn't deserve. <laughs> give me some brownie points for after the service, maybe. What is a free gift that you've received? Can you think of one? God said, I will give you the gift of eternal life. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 reminds us of that very, very important passage that most of us have familiarized ourselves with that have gone to church for years. It is, for by grace are you saved, found in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved. He's explaining this gift. You're explaining to your children this gift of eternal life, something that cannot be earned. It is getting something you don't deserve. So if you ever want a definition of grace, it's receiving something you don't deserve. And I remember when I was lost and a bum and a hippie at 20 years old with a ninth grade education, I knocked on the family's door and they said, come and live with us. We'll feed you, we'll give you a bed, we'll give you a roof over your head, everything, room and board, free of charge. And I know there's some teenagers in here that would love that. And young adults here. And they're still, actually, they're doing it. They're living under mom and daddy's roof. Free of charge. I didn't deserve that. That was, besides eternal life, that was the first human gift I received the second I got saved. Within a couple days, someone took me in their home and said, we're going to teach you a whole new way of living. And so the Bible describes grace as a free gift, for it is by grace you've been saved. It comes through faith, and we'll explain that a little bit later. It is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Can you imagine standing before God and there's a long line of people and, and Peter or say, well, why should I let you in? Well, you know, I gave a lot of money to the church. Next person. Why, why should I let you in? I went to church every single Sunday. I never missed one. Well, why should I let you in the church? Well, I, I, I never committed murder. I never stole anything. I, I've kept all the commandments. And Do you see what God's trying to do? Eliminate all of our, of our what? There you go. No one can boast before God why they should be able to get into heaven. No one can earn their way to heaven. Now, I don't know about you. That's good news. So if I can't do anything to get into heaven, that means there's probably nothing I can do to get out. Do you ever think about it that way? Nothing I can do to get out once I'm in. Okay, so we have a problem. So explain to your children. I'm, talk I'm not talking down to you, but pretend you're talking to your kids, Okay. You're a little, by the way, my children were only, each one I think was six, seven, and eight when they received this free gift of eternal life. Luke, you're over here. How old were you when you got that gift? Six years old. Was he smart enough to, no, not at that age. 
Jacob, how old were you? Eight years old. Eight years old. They received Christ. And I could probably ask some more of you in here what age you got saved at. You know why it's so important, Mom and Daddy? To start with your kids when they're little because you have no idea what could happen. I was just reading about Columbine this morning and Stoneman Douglas this morning. Now, I don't say that to bring fear, but you never know when some child could be taken away from us because of the cruelty and wickedness in this world. So it behooves us at their young age to start telling them right away what I'm telling you right now about Jesus Christ. That free gift of eternal life. So we have a problem. You tell your children, there's a problem. What is it, dad, mom? <laughs> We're sinners. Okay, Romans 3.23 puts a blanket over everything. This is one time that that definition can be used. You put a blanket over the whole human race. And what is it? Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay? Does that include the Pope? Does that include your mom and daddy? Does that include the pastors? Yes, it includes every single person. And so, as a result, it separates us from a holy God. By the way, sin includes much more than murder or robbery. If you look in your little track right there, uh, some people will excuse themselves and say, I I I'm not a sinner because I, I haven't been to jail and I've not committed murder and I've, I've never lied and they just lied to you when they said that. I literally had an old lady in a rocking chair I was witnessing to and, and I was sharing Christ with her and she had to be 85, 90 years old. Have you ever sinned? No. Have you ever stole? No. Have you ever lied? No. And she got to rocking that thing a lot quicker. The more I kept asking her questions, the more that thing got to rocking. I had to leave because I didn't want her to fall backwards and, and break her neck. She didn't really believe it. She was trying to convince herself. You cannot save yourself by good deeds. That's a good thing. I don't know about you. That's good news. So there's, because some of us feel, most of us feel insecure, inadequate. So we're thinking, what can we bring to the cross? And God's saying, there's absolutely nothing you can bring with you. You ever, you ever go over to someone's house and ask them, what can I bring? Bring nothing. Just bring your body. And a lot of times you feel a little awkward. You, you got to bring something. And God's saying, literally, there's nothing you can bring. Now, since man can't, can't save himself, Why? Here's the reason why Matthew 5, 48. <laughs> In order to get to heaven, you have to be perfect. And so the scripture teaches us, therefore, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So if grading on a scale from zero to 100, and I've done this many times, and you had to place yourself on that scale between zero and 100 of being good, where would you place yourself on that scale? I sat in my office with a lot of people in my home or in their homes, and you'd be surprised of where people would mark themselves on that graph. I've had some say 90%. <laughs> they, they thought they were that good. And I said, guess what? God's not grading on a curve. It's 100% or you flunk. You've got to make that crystal clear. 
Because some people think they're good. They look in the mirror and they I'm good. Whether everyone doesn't think so or not, they think they're good. And the Bible says, though, in order to get to heaven, you tell your children, you have to be perfect. Well, with such a high standard, who can save themselves? Good, very good to know that. So the third thing I'm thinking about is talking about grace and then man, they're a sinner. And then I think about God. God enters the picture, of course, way before this. But in our minds, he's now beginning to enter this equation. God has done something about our sin. And so if you're looking on page 10 in your book, if you're following along, look on page 10. We're learning a little bit more about God, and you're going to get a crash course on God and Jesus Christ. The first thing you're going to learn about God is he is merciful. I love people that are merciful, don't you? Blessed are the merciful. God is merciful. And the scripture tells us in 1 John 4, 8, who God is. He is love. We love love. But he, he said also in Jeremiah 31, 3, he said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I love what Psalms 103 says. As high as the sky is, are above the earth, or the heavens are above the earth, so is God's love for those who fear him. He's giving you a big picture about who he is. He is love. Now, but the same Bible also tells us something else about God and his character. And, and 11, if you're looking in your little pamphlet, the Bible tells us that he is merciful, but also he is just. And so in Exodus 34, he tells us something. Remember, he, he, he demanded perfection. He said, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. And in Ezekiel 18.4, he said, the soul who sins is the one that will die. Now, when you're talking about death, you have to explain it doesn't mean cessation of this life. We're talking about the second death, and you go to Revelation, and you'll learn a little bit more about that, but we don't have time to talk about that at this moment. So it's the death, eternal separation from God. And so we have a problem. God loves us and doesn't want to punish us, but he's just and must punish sin. And I use this illustration quite often when sharing this track. Here's how God is. He loves us. So you take the Stoneman Douglas situation. Can you imagine the parents are sitting out there who have lost? I think there's 17 that died and many others injured at Stoneman Douglas. And the judge sees the kid named Cruz. I think that's his name. And he says, you know what? You're a young punk. So I'm going to have mercy on you and uh, I'm not going to sentence you, and I'm going to let you go. How do you think the parents would react sitting out there toward that judge? Would you want him to do that? You would call him an unjust judge, wouldn't you? If he did not pass sentence on that, on that kid. So do you understand that God said we were all sinners and we cannot hang out with him, nor can we get into heaven because we're guilty. And because we're guilty, he must be a just judge and must judge us for our sin. And that means who sin? 
Who have sinned? Everyone. All have sinned. So that means everyone is going to be judged guilty. But here comes the good news. Whew. Hallelujah. Were there some good news? Absolutely. That's what the Bible's about. Good news. God solved this problem for us. How? In the person, Jesus Christ. So you got a crash course on God. You're telling your children. You're telling your kids. You're telling your spouse, God is love and God is merciful. He's full of grace, but he must punish sin. Your children, just use your children as an example. Those who let their children get away with murder... They're going to have a miserable life in their houses. I grew up with a dad who was a disciplinarian. Six boys in our family. My dad was a macho, strong guy. He could beat us all up, all at one time. I remember when we thought we could take him in the pool, he almost drowned all of us at one time. Of course, that's back when you respected your dad and you didn't punch him in the nose. That would be the worst thing you could ever do. It would be your worst nightmare. God found someone, actually his son, before the world ever began. He already solved this problem in Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? Crash course. Here it is. John 1, 1 tells us who Jesus is. In one or two verses. In the beginning was the word. They'll call the Bible the word and it means logos but it's divine. So the, in the beginning was the word, and, but there is a name to that word. His name is Jesus. By the way, his real name is Yeshua. Yeshua, if you say it in Hebrew. There, that name really changed to Jesus only about 400 years ago. Many of you may not know that. So his name is, there's nothing wrong with you say Yeshua, but there's nothing wrong with you say Jesus. And so the scripture tells us, and the word Yeshua was made flesh and dwelt among us so he's all God and he's all man so Jesus came to earth if you're looking on page 13 follow along in your track page 13 he came to earth and lived so who is this Jesus he's all God and he's all man and he lived a sinless life now how could he live live a sinless life because every single human being born is a sinner well when Jesus was born that he was born of the seed of God not the seed that comes from man. And therefore it wasn't tainted with sin, but was planted in the womb of Mary and connected with her seed. All God and all man. And he never, ever sinned. Can you imagine being married to someone that never sinned against you? I know some of you act like you've never sinned against your spouse, but can you imagine being married to someone that has Never sinned against you. The Father and the Son never rebelled against each other. Perfect harmony. That's why when we marry, he said you become one. And he wants to make you one so that you, you operate. You ever get a glimpse of that operation? You and your spouse? You ever get that glimpse of that? I see my wife over there. Once in a while, I go, wow, this is what it's going to be like in heaven. Only the next minute to say, oh, this is what it's going to be like in hell. <laughs> I, I, we get a picture real quick, don't we? But, but once in a while, we, hopefully more than once in a while, we get a picture of what it's going to be like in heaven. We're absolute perfect harmony. No arguments. No debates. Perfect harmony. What are we eating for supper? What do you want for supper? I don't know. You choose. We, we saw that clip at the, I just came from the men's conference. 
You talk about, wow, there was a nice video clip on that. The guy sitting down and the girl standing up and she's sitting down and she goes, hey, uh, honey, what do you want to eat? He goes, I don't know. And she goes, what do you, well, what, tell me what you like. I don't know. And then finally she picks something. Well, I don't want that. And you, you can see how that can go on and that's happened in your, your lives. We have a hard time agreeing. The father and the son, they never disagreed and he never, ever, ever sinned against the father. That's who we're talking about. Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. His last name is not Christ. Be sure to tell your kids that. It's not Christ. It means Yeshua, the Messiah that was promised before the foundations of the world that he would come to earth. Here's what God told us, what he did for us. Quick story. He died on the cross, a wooden tree, explained it to them. On a tree, like a common criminal, he paid the penalty for our sins and rose from the grave to purchase a place for us in heaven. Now, you're given a quick, condensed version, a Reader's Digest version of what the Bible is all about. A perfect man, falsely accused over and over and over again by the media and by thousands of people that he was a criminal. And the other thousands of people kept quiet. Does it remind you of anything? Today? Oh, oh, I, I won't go there, I promise. They made him into a common criminal. And here's why he did it. Isaiah 53, 6 tells us. And you read that to them. We, that means us, mom and daddy, you guys, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned its own way. In other words, we turned our back on God and we went in the opposite direction. And the Lord has laid on him, Yeshua, the iniquity and sin of all of us. So the judgment that you and me deserve, the penalty that you and me deserve, the wrath that you and me deserve was laid on Jesus, the only illustration I can give my children, we had six boys, I think this happened once or twice, and I did it one time for a friend. Have you ever been accused, I think my son reminded me of this one time, but you've ever been accused of something that you didn't do? Thank you, thank you for that reminder, Jacob. He reminds me of the paddling he got when he told the truth, and well, sometimes moms and dads just don't get it right, right? Parents, can I get some amens out there? We just don't get it right. We try to sort it out and we mess up once in a while. But has this ever happened? The older brother took a whooping for the little, little one. Has that ever happened to you and your family? They took the blame. They took the blame even though they didn't do anything wrong. I did it, Dad. I did it, Mom. Only because they didn't want to see their little brother or sister get a, a paddling. Now, that's a simple illustration to give a child. You can do that to say this is exactly what Jesus did for you and me. He took our paddling. He took our punishment. He took God's wrath on himself. In fact, God made him to be sin who knew no sin. So Jesus Christ took our sin in his body on the cross on a tree, remind him, it's not just as beautiful, beautiful. This, this, was, a, this was a horrible Horrible symbol back in our Lord's day. We wear it proudly today. And some don't even know what they're wearing when they wear it. And so you remind them on a tree. They nailed Jesus to a tree. They beat him almost to death. 
The Bible tells us he was marred beyond recognition for you and me. He took the blows that you and me deserved. I, I remember getting beat one time with a cord all up the top of my head to the back of my feet. I was screaming so loud the neighbors were knocking on the door, wondering if someone was dying inside. I remember a little bit of what it's like to get beat. You know those extension cords, those thick ones? I'm sure some of you might have experienced. We learned a lot about men's, and w men's wounds at this camp that we're at. Some are still there right now. And it leaves scars for the rest of your life. And the only way I know how to overcome those scars is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And all the things that happened to me and happened to you as a child, it's no excuse to behave that way when you become an adult. Because God changed my life and my six kids are serving Jesus Christ and love him and are serving him and going to church. All because Christ changed my life. So don't let the past affect your future the only way I know how to do that is through Jesus Christ. So, but Jesus took the, nothing in comparison. Here's God that didn't deserve anything. And he got beat beyond recognition and then nailed to a tree while God is continuing to pour out his wrath, thinking about you and me on his son. And his son willfully, willfully did this for you and me. Like the big brother taking it for the little tyke. He did it willfully. He said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He knew what you and me were going to experience after he died for you. And then he came out of the grave, by the way. Tell them he came out of the grave because he had the power to do that. All religions are not equal. Only Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Not little belly Buddha, not Confucius, not Muhammad. They did not come out of the grave. Only Jesus did. And you remind him of that he came up out of the grave. Now, so you have grace, receiving eternal life as a free gift. And you, you, there's a problem. You cannot receive that free gift until something's fixed. So there's a troubleshooter named God who troubleshooted the problem for us. He said, I'm going to bring my justice upon the problem solver, and that's Jesus Christ, all God, all man, who endured our wrath. Okay, now the payment's been paid. There's a check waiting for you and me to pay our debts. How do we receive that payment? How do we receive that check? How do we receive that gift? Through faith. Okay, let's explain what faith is. If you're, on, if you're following in the outline, faith. Faith is the key that opens the door to heaven. Okay, what it's not. Faith is not just head knowledge about God. The Bible says the devils believe in God and they tremble and they will never go to heaven. Remember that. So it's not just knowledge. And saving faith is not just turning to God for temporary needs. Uh, I was in the service in 1973, and, then we, and people were getting converted left and right. We were on red alert to go to Israel. I didn't have to go to fight. And, and they were, we call it foxhole religion. You know what foxhole religion is? Many people were being converted because they were afraid they might die. And, and then people go to jail, and they call that what? Jailhouse religion. 
and, and they, 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 wow, God, I need God. And then they get out and what happens? They go right back to the same old life. It's not, that's not saving faith. Saving faith is, go to the next page, page 15, is trusting in Jesus Christ alone for our eternal life, both now and forever. This means trusting in what he has done rather than what we have done. Acts 16, 3. Believe in the Lord Jesus, the story, the quick story we just told, and you will be saved. Explain the word saved, but first start with faith. I used to do this with my children. I'd have them stand on maybe up here or down there and up high and when they were little, I, I, I began to teach them faith. And so what I tell them to do, remember, faith, it's, it's not blind faith. It's based on evidence that Jesus rose from the grave, based on evidence that God created the heavens and the earth, the evidence of changed lives, the evidence of his word. Okay, now you put faith in that. So I used to have them stand up, turn backwards, and now fall into daddy's arms. I used to teach him that. And they were probably scared to death the first few times they, they were asked to do that. Just, just go like this. In fact, men go on retreats and, and they're taught to practice that. And it's hard for guys to do that. To trust them in that they're going to fall back and they're going to catch you. That's the, the beginning journey of faith for my kids. I began to teach them that. So God is saying, fall back in daddy's arms. Fall back in the truth that I just told you. Trust in him alone that he will give you the gift of eternal life. He will give it to you as a gift. Trust him alone. It's like getting on a plane again. If you saw the pilot stumbling his way into the cockpit or her, would you get on that plane? Absolutely not. Because you're trusting that pilot gets you from point A to point B. I was telling this guy the other day that this weekend he, he flies helicopters, so I, I was going to get the courage to fly in a helicopter. As soon as I got there, there's that war going. I, I'm a little afraid of heights, so I jumped out of a plane. I helped fly a plane. Now, now I want to push myself further. Why would I go through all that misery? I'm scared of heights. So he, he, he walked me through it, and he said, listen. I, I said, have you... I, he said, I'll take you a step at a time. I'll hover over the ground just a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll show you the front motor. We'll be shoulder to shoulder, and we'll just hover over the ground three feet and go over the water, and, and if you don't like it, we'll, we'll set it back down. And I said, well, how do you know when you get a little higher? Uh, planes have crashed. What about that, uh, you know, the rotors? Is that what you call them, rotors? Uh, how do I know they, they're not going to stop? He goes, if you're a good pilot, if you're a good pilot, you hear something happening with those rotors and you quickly bring it down that's what he told me he said no I, i'll know it's not just going to stop up there in the air if you're a good helicopter pilot you will begin to hear that something's wrong with those rotors and you can quickly set it set it down trusting that pilot trusting in god alone through faith is where it all starts. So you've just heard, and you tell your kids this, the greatest story ever told about the greatest offer ever made by the greatest person who ever lived, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So the question God is asking you, and it could be here today, please, please don't think I'm shooting past you, an arrow past you, or you're looking in online this morning. God's speaking to you. I've spoken his word. I've spoken truth and brevity. 
But the thief on the cross, you remember the thief on the cross? He didn't get the complete gospel. Remember the thief on the side of Jesus? He, he just watched him and, watched, and heard what people said and heard what came out of his mouth and said, you don't deserve being on this tree with us. We deserve what we're getting. They were admitting what? They were a sinner. And they were putting their confidence in who? In Jesus Christ. He said, remember me when you come in your kingdom, Jesus. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. So yes, it's been a short story, but I want to ask you this question. Would you like to receive the gift of eternal life? And you ask your children that. Would you like, and most kids are going to say what? Probably. Yes. Nothing wrong with that. The Bible says you must come to Jesus like a little child. Not all grown up. Too many questions. If you're looking in online, would you like to receive the gift of eternal life? If you're here this morning, would you like to receive the gift of eternal life? What does it involve? Here it is. If you go into page 17, accept the living Christ. He's not dead. He's alive. Open the door of your heart. Invite him in. We open the door of our heart to a lot of wicked things so you can imagine and understand what I mean, what the scripture means when he's talking about open the door. But he said something very good in Revelation 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. That means God is telling you, you're a sinner. You need me. I'm willing to save you, forgive you, and give you the gift of eternal life. I'm willing to do that. I've heard horror stories back in the olden days when men used to grip the pews and girls used to grip the pews. And God was saying, I want to come in. And they're saying, no, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready yet. Give me a little bit more time. I'm not ready to give up my sin yet. And they rejected and they rejected and they rejected only never to feel that conviction again so the Bible says when there's time while there's time accept me now and of course preachers used to tell horror stories as they walked out the church door some things that happened to some of these people that said no well I, I'm not here to do that you're not there to tell your kids that but you do want to express to them their urgency of saying yes now. It involves receiving Christ as your Savior. Give Him the driver's seat and controls of your life. Oh, so many of us want to control things. Give Him the driver's seat of your life. Let Him be the pilot and you're the co-pilot of your business, of your marriage, of raising your kids, of eternal life. But here's something that must happen. Are you ready for the news? Repent. Be willing to turn from your sin. Anything that is not pleasing to him, he will reveal it to you. He will reveal his will to you. He will let you know you're a sinner. When I almost died from doing drugs and I was in a car all bottled up in a fetus position, I was convicted even though I knew nothing about Jesus, hardly anything about God, but I knew I was headed and I was on the highway to hell. I knew it. No one had to tell me. 
The Bible says, I have planted eternity in the hearts and minds of everyone. We know we're going to live forever and ever and ever. But you can make a choice while you're alive because when you're dead, you can't call 911. You can't call an attorney. It's too late. You have to make the decision now. And you express that urgency to your children, to your spouse, to your family members. And don't be shy about it. But you must repent of your sins. Too many people are preaching a gospel. Come to Jesus. Pray the prayer of salvation. Come into my heart and save me. And they never repent of their sins. What did John the Baptist ask people in preparation and hearing the good news of Jesus? What did he do? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What did Jesus say? Repent. What did Peter say? Repent. We must repent that we are sinners. And it separates us from a holy God. Now, do you want the gift of eternal life? You're here today. You did, could not answer the question, if I died tonight, what would happen to me? You couldn't answer it. Most people answer, I'm good. If you answered that question, I, 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 I couldn't answer it or I, I'm good. Then you need eternal life. Are you willing to receive the gift of eternal life? Right where for it is with your heart, Romans 10 10. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Here's the key everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. I remember crying that out with barely any of my brain functioning. God! It wasn't some, well, our Father who art in heaven, holy is thy... It was, well, Lord, um, God, give me a break. Save me. He's looking in your heart. He knows what you want. Are you willing to receive it? If you want to receive the gift of eternal life, he'll give it to you right now. Here's what you need to do. Now, this is a suggested prayer. We're going to read it together. I'll, well, you have it in front of you. This is a suggested prayer. If you're listening and online, if you repeat this prayer after me. Now, remember, it's not what you're saying. God's looking deep down inside the heart. You know how you can tell your child to do something and... And you've heard this saying, and you've tried to tell them not to do something. Sit down, sit down, sit down. I told you to sit down, and finally they sit down. And you heard the reaction of that child out loud in many pulpits. It's, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. You heard that before? So, so God knows what's happening in your heart. If, if you're listening in online, he knows what you want. He's willing to give it to you right now. So if you pray this prayer and mean it, and really mean it, he will save you right now, and you will receive the gift of eternal life. A new you will be born. Just like there was a new baby coming into your family. A new you will be born that you did not know existed because it did not exist. Here's what we'll pray. Are you ready? You ready to pray it with me, everyone? You have it in front of you. Page, page 19. You're looking in online. Repeat after us. Are you ready? Everybody. Lord Jesus, thank you for your gift of eternal life. I know I'm a sinner and do not deserve eternal life.
but you loved me so. You died and rose from the grave to purchase a place in heaven for me. I now trust in you alone for eternal life and repent of my sin. Please take control of my life. Thank you so much. The last verse I'll quote this morning found in John 6, 47. I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. We don't do any tricks here, but I want you to stand at this time. Would you stand with me? If you made that decision to accept Jesus Christ as eternal life, and you prayed that prayer, you have just received eternal life as a free gift. We, we would love to congratulate you, pray for you, and applaud you. But it will take courage to come down here and say, I, I just did it. I just gave my life to Jesus Christ. Now, if you think I'm asking too much, remember what Jesus said. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. It's the beginning of a journey saying, I'm going to identify myself with Jesus Christ. And then the next step is you, you, you become a candidate for baptism. We'll talk about that next week. If you're online, looking in online, please go to the comment section. And in the comments, comment section, there's a, a tab. And if you'll tell us, yes, I made a decision to receive Christ as my Savior. We will get with you very quickly through a text through some immediate comments and through a follow-up email this week on how you can begin your journey with Christ. So if you've made that decision while they're playing music softly, would you please come up front and stand up here and say, I, I, listen, this, it's not about me. Most people are saved. I understand that they have come to this church, but perhaps you, you've done it for the first time and, and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you prayed that prayer. Would you come up right now? and say, I, I made that decision. So as they lead us in a time of um, music and song, we'll be standing up here waiting for you or waiting for your comment. Father, I trust this message. We trust this message and the truths of this word, of your word, to penetrate the hearts and minds of people that were unsure and to solidify the minds and hearts of people that already do know you with the promises you've given us. Please give that young man, young lady, that man or woman the courage to say, I want to identify myself with Christ. And you said, the, if you look up here, the, the scripture tells us the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner repenting. You come if God leads you. Would you come? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.